Let's say you're on a game show. You've already earned $1,000 in the first round when you land on the bonus space. Now you have a choice. You can either take a $500 bonus, guaranteed, or you can flip a coin. If it's heads, you win a $1,000 bonus. If it's tails, you get no bonus at all. In the second round, you've earned $2,000 when you land on the penalty space. Now you have another choice. You can either take a $500 loss or try your luck at the coin flip. If it's heads, you lose nothing. But if it's tails, you lose $1,000 instead. If you're like most people, you probably chose to take the guaranteed bonus in the first round and flip the coin in the second round. But if you think about it, this makes no sense. The odds and outcomes in both rounds are exactly the same. So why does the second round seem much scarier? The answer lies in a phenomenon known as loss aversion. Under rational economic theory, our decisions should follow a simple mathematical equation that weighs the level of risk against the amount at stake. But studies have found that for many people, the negative psychological impact we feel from losing something is about twice as strong as the positive impact of gaining the same thing. Loss aversion is one cognitive bias that arises from heuristics, problem-solving approaches based on previous experience and intuition, rather than careful analysis. And these mental shortcuts can lead to irrational decisions, not like falling in love or bungee jumping off a cliff, but logical fallacies that can easily be proven wrong. Situations involving probability are notoriously bad for applying heuristics. For instance, say you were to roll a die with four green faces and two red faces 20 times. You can choose one of the following sequences of rolls, and if it shows up, you'll win $25. Which would you pick? In one study, 65% of the participants, who were all college students, chose sequence B, even though A is shorter and contained within B. In other words, more likely. This is what's called a conjunction fallacy. Here, we expect to see more green rolls, so our brains can trick us into picking the less likely option. Heuristics are also terrible at dealing with numbers in general. In one example, students were split into two groups. The first group was asked whether Mahatma Gandhi died before or after age nine, while the second was asked whether he died before or after age 140. Both numbers were obviously way off, but when the students were then asked to guess the actual age at which he died, the first group's answers averaged to 50, while the second group's averaged to 67. Even though the clearly wrong information in the initial questions should have been irrelevant, it still affected the students' estimates. This is an example of the anchoring effect, and it's often used in marketing and negotiations to raise the prices that people are willing to pay. So, if heuristics lead to all these wrong decisions, why do we even have them? Well, because they can be quite effective. For most of human history, survival depended on making quick decisions with limited information. When there's no time to logically analyze all the possibilities, heuristics can sometimes save our lives. But today's environment requires far more complex decision-making, and these decisions are more biased by unconscious factors than we think, affecting everything from health and education to finance and criminal justice.
We can't just shut off our brain's heuristics, but we can learn to be aware of them. When you come to a situation involving numbers, probability, or multiple details, pause for a second and consider that the intuitive answer might not be the right one after all. Are you as good at things as you think you are? How good are you at managing money? What about reading people's emotions? How healthy are you compared to other people you know? Are you better than average at grammar? Knowing how competent we are and how our skills stack up against other people's is more than a self-esteem boost. It helps us figure out when we can forge ahead on our own decisions and instincts and when we need instead to seek out advice. But psychological research suggests that we're not very good at evaluating ourselves accurately. In fact, we frequently overestimate our own abilities. Researchers have a name for this phenomenon, the Dunning-Kruger effect. This effect explains why more than a hundred studies have shown that people display illusory superiority. We judge ourselves as better than others to a degree that violates the laws of math. When software engineers at two companies were asked to rate their performance, 32% of the engineers at one company and 42% at the other put themselves in the top 5%. In another study, 88% of American drivers described themselves as having above average driving skills. These aren't isolated findings. On average, people tend to rate themselves better than most in disciplines ranging from health, leadership skills, ethics, and beyond. What's particularly interesting is that those with the least ability are often the most likely to overrate their skills to the greatest extent. People measurably poor at logical reasoning, grammar, financial knowledge, math, emotional intelligence, running medical lab tests, and chess all tend to rate their expertise almost as favorably as actual experts do. So who's most vulnerable to this delusion? Sadly, all of us, because we all have pockets of incompetence we don't recognize. But why? When psychologists Dunning and Kruger first described the effect in 1999, they argued that people lacking knowledge and skill in particular areas suffer a double curse. First, they make mistakes and reach poor decisions. But second, those same knowledge gaps also prevent them from catching their errors. In other words, poor performers lack the very expertise needed to recognize how badly they're doing. For example, when the researchers studied participants in a college debate tournament, the bottom 25% of teams in preliminary rounds lost nearly four out of every five matches but they thought they were winning almost 60%. Without a strong grasp of the rules of debate, the students simply couldn't recognize when or how often their arguments broke down. The Dunning-Kruger effect isn't a question of ego blinding us to our weaknesses. People usually do admit their deficits once they can spot them. 
In one study, students who had initially done badly on a logic quiz and then took a mini-course on logic were quite willing to label their original performances as awful. That may be why people with a moderate amount of experience or expertise often have less confidence in their abilities. They know enough to know that there's a lot they don't know. Meanwhile, experts tend to be aware of just how knowledgeable they are, but they often make a different mistake. They assume that everyone else is knowledgeable too. The result is that people, whether they're inept or highly skilled, are often caught in a bubble of inaccurate self-perception. When they're unskilled, they can't see their own faults. When they're exceptionally competent, they don't perceive how unusual their abilities are. So if the Dunning-Kruger effect is invisible to those experiencing it, what can you do to find out how good you actually are at various things? First, ask for feedback from other people and consider it even if it's hard to hear. Second, and more important, keep learning. The more knowledgeable we become, the less likely we are to have invisible holes in our competence. Perhaps it all boils down to that old proverb, when arguing with a fool, first make sure the other person isn't doing the same thing. Did you enjoy this lesson? If so, please consider supporting our nonprofit mission by visiting patreon.com slash ted-ed. You often hear the famous phrase, you learn something new every day, right? Well, what if I told you that your mind warps new ideas to fit with your older beliefs? Now, don't get me wrong. You are learning new things every day that help shape you as a person. Sometimes you feel confident in these new things you've learned. However, we can't avoid sometimes falling under the Dunning-Kruger effect, a cognitive bias. Not sure what this is? Well, the Dunning-Kruger effect is when people with very little knowledge on a topic tend to significantly overestimate themselves, while more intelligent people underestimate their knowledge. As an example, have you ever walked into a classroom the day of an exam with an unprecedented sense of confidence, despite not having studied a lot the night before? Or perhaps you were just the opposite. You studied all night long, but upon sitting down to take the test, suddenly you feel as if there were things you might have forgotten to review. Late-night talk show host Jimmy Kimmel's Lie Witness News segments further exemplify this. The segment consists of a crew asking random pedestrians questions that have false premises placed in. For example, asking people their opinion on a band that doesn't exist. The lengths to which some people go describing how much they love that band that doesn't really exist is breathtaking. That's just one example of the Dunning-Kruger effect set in motion. It makes sense if you think about it. No one wants to appear clueless about something they claim to enjoy in front of a camera, and the confidence we pull out to make us seem knowledgeable on something we know very little about can be very convincing, even to ourselves. It's easy for our brains to say, I understand this, based on the clutter of meaningless information stored in our head. The connections made in our mind sometimes even manage to fool ourselves into not recognizing our own ignorance. This meaningless information can often consist of misconceptions that we've gained over time. 
These misconceptions never really leave us, even if we know they're wrong. In fact, we can often bend or outright forget new information to make it fit with previous information. So, how do we recognize and, more importantly, avoid falling into the Dunning-Kruger effect? Well, we should all strive to educate ourselves as much as possible. After all, it isn't a bad thing to learn theories and ideas. Theory will only take you so far, though, and testing things in a controlled environment isn't always possible. This means you won't always be 100% prepared for situations you might think you learned how to deal with. And that's okay. You aren't expected to know everything after just learning the basics. In fact, you're encouraged to keep learning, to keep questioning, and to consider how your own thinking can be flawed or misguided. Coming to terms with the things we don't understand is the first step towards clearing up misunderstandings and learning new things. As Socrates said, True wisdom comes to each of us when we realize how little we understand about life, ourselves, and the world around us. Thank you for watching, and don't forget to subscribe to Psych2Go. Hey Brain Stuff, it's me, Ben. So if you're like most people, you think you're very good at some things, and you're able to admit that you're less good at others, you likely shake your head in pity at people you see as, well, stupid. Why do they keep dumbing everywhere on everything, you ask yourself? Why don't they understand that they're bad at doing people stuff? Well, there is an answer, but I can tell you right now, you might not like it. It's not a matter of intelligence, necessarily. That's a difficult thing to measure, but it is related to, let's call it competence, the ability to do something well. In 1999, a psychologist named David Dunning and his grad assistant, Justin Kruger, tested a group of students in several categories. The ability to think logically, to write grammatically, and to spot funny jokes. They also asked the students to rate their skills in these categories and that's when Dunning and Kruger noticed something weird. The people scoring below average on these tests weren't just incompetent in these categories. They also didn't know that they were incompetent. And here's the kicker, the less competent they were, the more competent they ranked themselves. This is a phenomenon called illusory superiority, which I know sounds like it might be the name of a Radiohead B-side, but it isn't. As far as we know, we check, right? Instead, this is a cognitive bias wherein people tend to rate their own abilities as above average. Multiple studies have proven this effect in everything from firearms to college debates to med students' opinions of their interviewing skills. It doesn't seem to matter what specific skill we are talking about. The less a person knows about this given thing, the more likely they are to overestimate their knowledge. Philosophers throughout the ages have contemplated this idea, like uh, Bertrand Russell, who famously wrote, The trouble with the world is that the stupid are cocksure and the intelligent are full of doubt. I think that's what his voice sounded like. And here's another weird thing. People with actual competency are likely to underestimate their abilities. Researchers believe this modesty comes about because competent people are just much more aware of how much they don't actually know, as well as uh, an awareness of their field in general. This all goes back to one primary thing, metacognition. Metacognition is the ability to be aware of and understand your own thought process. So in other words, it's the ability to think about 
how you think. People tend to evaluate themselves through what Dunning and Kruger call a top-down approach. This means instead of objectively measuring their performance, people start with their preconceived notion of their skill, I'm a great driver and I'm really funny for instance, and they use that belief to evaluate their performance later. But what do you think? What are you honestly, really, sincerely, genuinely good at? Do you know anyone who's maybe a little too confident in their abilities? Thanks so much for watching. If you enjoyed this video, toss a like my way. Just uh, click down here. And uh, while you're down there, you know, just it's handy, hit the uh, subscribe button too. Let me know what you would like to hear more about in the next episodes of Brain Stuff. Working, working, working like a woman, huh? That's what they say. Hey, shout you out, man, for favoring that station. It's that boy, baby boy. F Ho, Wild Fan Radio Show, Baby Boy of U2DK. And I appreciate you for working like a woman and for favoring my station. You know what I'm talking about? Keep it coming, keep it coming. I got to show love back. You know how it go. Peace. Hey, thanks for the response. Um, uh, something that you ended with, and you know, is there something that we're supposed to be doing? Um, analytically looking at the human being, there is always a purpose that we must serve. And like any species on the planet, there's always something that we're to be doing. The great thing is, unlike any other species um, on this planet, is that we have free will. We have intricate thinking uh, abilities. And I think that's really what separates us from everything else on this planet. So um, the, the mystery is the universe's gift to us, I, I would have to say, or God for that matter, if, if that's what you believe. So uh, that's my response. Oh my God, love the podcast. Yes, I was a social media junkie for real. Um, it has taken me a while to like, kind of just put my phone down, ignore my phone and not be on it as much. I guess because I have such a hectic job, I'm a caseworker for foster kids, so I don't have time. So that is just a good thing. You know, I listen to Mel Robbins, a lot of personal development, and you know, she's always like, you know, put your phone down, blah, blah, blah. And I can't really put my phone down during the day because, you know, I have kids, they might call me, my husband might call me, but I'm making an effort to, and because of that job, I, you know, emails from lawyers, supervisors, and all that. So I do have to have my phone with me at all times, but I'm making more of an effort to like stay away from social media. It is addicting. Hi, Jojo Ray again. Um, you know, as far as the internet and social media, it is addicting. And another reason why I slowed down on it, because it's all the same thing. People saying the same thing. People going on rants. You know, people, it's, it's, it's fraudulent to me. Everybody's lying about something or looking for validation. Like, you post 10 things about your kids to get validation uh, about being a good parent. Like... You're doing things you're supposed to do. You don't need to post it on social media. Or you go on rants about your significant other and say you deserve better. But then the next post is like, hey, I'm back with my boo. And, it, uh, and you know, with, you know, all the uploads of fighting and all that and abusing going on. I just, I'm over social media. It's too much for me. So that's another reason why I just toned it down a lot and don't use it.
Hey, Dr. Ray, thanks so much for those call-ins. That is exactly why I have an issue with social media. It's all the, oh, 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 look at me, look at me, oh, look, oh, I fed my kids today. Aren't I a great mom? I mean, really, as human beings, our need for validation and our need to feed our crazy egos is just, it's killing us. And the need to show everyone that, well, we're right, no matter what, we're right. And social media is just reinforcing those bad habits over and over and over and over. And there are more and more people feeling the effects and backing off, but for all those people backing off, there's that many more getting into it. So how do we stop the vicious cycle? How do we get the word out? How do we make it end? Hey, D-Souls, thanks for that call-in. And, yeah, that's a that's another thing with Facebook, is that it it starts to get really boring. I mean, it's the same thing over and over and over. It's the same competitive whatever. It's the same showing off, or it's the same article, or the same meme posted a billion times. There, I mean, there just isn't that much out there. Now I I I have I admit I have Facebook but I have narrowed mine down to the point where I am pretty much only following or uh, actively paying attention to scientists or some sort of science posts. It's pretty much all I will read or pay any attention to. And I limit myself to, on Facebook, about five to ten minutes a day, and that's all you're going to get out of Facebook for me. Now, Anchor, because of the time it takes to find, you know, research some information, pick out the particular segments I'm going to post, respond to call-ins, that type of stuff, which I do enjoy doing. Anchor, I limit myself to about one hour per day. And that is after everyone has settled down, the kids are relaxing, this is like the kids relaxing time, and I take care of all the Anchor stuff. Now I will search Anchor from time to time trying to find, um, you know, my, my, my criteria for listening to something has to be number one, educational, and number two, slightly entertaining. You know, it has to keep my interest. So that's what I try to put out there. I hope it is for everyone. And that's the kind of stuff that I like to listen to or what I think is worth my time to listen to. And I look at it like a learning experience, a growing learning experience every night, like a enrichment process for my brain. So that's the content I'm trying to throw out there, and I hope that's what everyone is getting out of this station. So the topics that I'm leading with tonight are the Dunning-Kruger effect. And this has great relevance to a lot of the posts I've done in the past several days. I mean, going all the way back to the posts on motivational speakers and, you know, being careful, really watching out who you're listening to, do your research first, just don't 
Listen to anyone who says they know what they're doing, because once you understand the Dunning-Kruger effect, you'll understand that not everyone who has this great confidence of what they're doing actually knows what they're doing or what they're talking about. And this effect, of course, has caused a whole lot of the problems that we have right now here in the United States and all over the world. People having this confidence that they know everything about a given subject when, in reality, they don't. And they'll do anything to prove that they're right, or that they are right, or that they're the best, or the greatest, or the biggest, or whatever it is. I mean, really, anyone claiming to know the best thing for you at any given time, you'll have to question you know, I mean, you have to do your research. You really have to find out who this person is and if they really do know what they're talking about, what their credentials are, what their experience is, who are they? What have they done? You know, this can explain a lot of the internet addiction as well because, you know, there's two types of people. There's leaders and there's followers. And if you're following someone who has this Dunning-Kruger effect going with them, um, you know, you can get sucked into this cyclone of nonsense and just be totally absorbed and can't get away from it and lose all track of reality. So be careful, everyone. Use the internet for some research. Do a little scientific research. Do some background research on some people that you're following. And, uh, you know, stay away from Facebook. Have a good night.